Welcome to the Duck Pin Podcast with your host, Brian Griffiths. And now, here's Brian. Now that the General Assembly session for 2021 has ended, eyes naturally look forward to the election cycle starting next year and the 2022 election cycle, but we've got elections before that uh, as well. And to talk about all of that today is the chairman of the Maryland Republican Party, Dirk Hare. Dirk, thanks for joining me in this week's episode of the show. Thanks for having me, Brian. Well, let's first talk about those municipal races. It's a big election year in Annapolis and Frederick. There are, of course, um, smaller municipal races around the state. Those tend to be a little more nonpartisan in nature, but Annapolis and Frederick are both have, both have partisan elections this year. Both have Democratic city councils and Democratic mayors up for re-election. What's the party doing to kind of get ready to support what candidates we might have in those races? So at the municipal and general assembly level as well, I, I work very closely with our uh, county central committees. Um, because as you might imagine, uh, with, with all these races around the state, I don't know, always know all the players. Uh, it's a little different when we get to say the governor's race because it's statewide. So we take a more direct active uh, participation there, but, but I have been, uh, in active consultation with our, uh, at Annapolis city central committee chair, uh, and, and our Frederick County, uh, central committee chairs. In fact, I have a meeting on Wednesday night with, um, with, with, with several key players in the Annapolis um, Central Committee and, and, and some potential candidates. So uh, that race, th- those two races are shaping up. Um, you know, a lot is going to depend on the mood of the electorate. Um, if you, if you kind of look to 2022, um, it, you know, the, the 2022 cycle to me is shaping up similarly to 2010. And so, I wonder how advanced that, that trend will be for, for 2009, and that's what we're working on right now. Yeah, it's going to be very interesting to see whether or not that, that continues, um, especially after what we saw. You know, we, we always see that there's a leading indicator to a point um, as to where – the country is going. Uh, we saw that when, when Mike Panellides particularly was defeated when he ran for re-election against Gavin Buckley in 2017. Now, you mentioned the governor's race, and we did have exciting news um, a couple of weeks ago where um, Commerce Secretary Kelly Schultz announced that she is running for governor. The next day, it was announced that Harford County Executive Barry Glassman would be running for state comptroller. It's the first time uh, in my lifetime, at least, that an elected Republican has decided to run for comptroller, which is very exciting news, obviously, for the party. How important is it for the party to have two very serious office holders running, respectively, for governor and for comptroller this early in the cycle? Oh, it's a very exciting development, um, and and I want to commend uh, both both um, Kelly and Barry, and also Lieutenant Governor uh, Boyd Rutherford. They they've been great in terms of uh, having discussions with me and the party, and you, you know I'm just trying to play the honest broker and let 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 folks develop where they want to go with, with races and 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 just you know the the free flow of dialogue has been terrific and um you know i i, I think this bodes well for us I, we, we have very i can't think of two stronger candidates for governor and comptroller than than kelly and barry and the parties you know uh, obviously not going to endorse anyone in the primary but um you know that doesn't mean that we can't make evaluations and and you know come to the 
belief that certain candidates are more likely to advance our cause than others. Yeah, there's been some criticism. I've heard it myself um, directed at the party because the party promoted um, Secretary Schultz and County Executive Glassman's candidacy so so early on. People have been talking about Rule 11, which just as you as we as you reminded me before we we came on the air, Rule 11 does not actually apply to statewide races. So kind of walk people through what the party uh, is or is not restricted from in supporting candidates this early in the process. So we we have not had a history of endorsing candidates. We didn't even endorse Governor Hogan in 2018, but there are a variety of things that we can do in terms of consultations and discussions. And, you know, we did those in 2018. We did them back with Bob Ehrlich, Governor Ehrlich. Uh, um, And, you know, I'm not going to endorse someone for governor, but I'm also going to operate the party in a way that gives us the best chance to win. One of the re- ways that, that the party does have the best chance to win, obviously, is when you have an excitement at the top of the ticket and you have credible candidates at the top of the ticket, it makes it a lot easier to raise money. It also makes it a lot easier to recruit candidates. How much easier do you think it's going to be to get ready for that 2022 election, knowing that those two top spots or two of those top spots on the ticket, rather, are already covered with quality candidates? How much easier does that make the lift for both the state party and for the county parties? when it comes to creating enthusiasm, raising money, recruiting candidates? I think it makes a big difference. In fact, I was having a phone call about three o'clock today with a, a potential general assembly candidate who I think uh, would be a strong general assembly candidate. And one of the key points that this individual was making was how potentially helpful it could be to have um, strong candidates for both uh, governor and county executive in the particular jurisdiction this candidate would would be running in. So I think it's a very meaningful difference in terms of candidate uh, recruitment. I think it's very meaningful as well from the donor community. And and, and I mean, you know, we've got a history of winning governor's races now. We've won three of the last five. Um, I, I don't it's it's not a stretch to convince the business community that we can win and go for four of six, particularly when you look at a very crowded field of, of Democrats. Yeah. And, that, I, I, and let me ask you about that, because this is this is turning out the Democratic primary is turning out. It's starting to look a lot like the 2018 primary looked like, where it's just a bunch of candidates, some who are who you've heard of and some who you haven't are jumping in the pot and trying to trying to to win the, the nomination. That certainly worked out for Republicans and, and for Governor Hogan in 2018. But as you mentioned earlier, the environment's a little different. 2018 is not uh, going to be the same as 2022 will be. Secretary Schultz will not be running as a direct incumbent as Larry Hogan was. She'll be running a, a bit on the Hogan legacy. Do you see, like I do, that there are similar parallels between 2018 and 2022 when it comes to that Democratic field? I, I, I feel like... You know, I, every every week I, I see Democrats in the press, on in the media and on TV speculating about what goes on in the Republican primary. And, and I think they're, they have no more idea of what's really going on in the Republican Party than, than I have of what's going on in the Democrat Party. Uh, you know, the Democrats will spit out a candidate. I, I don't know who it will be. And we will be ready to roll as soon as that person limps out of their primary. Well, that's fine. I'll take on the mantle of rank speculation for uh, for the Republican <laughs> side. I have no problem. <laughs> I have no problem doing that. Um, one of the things we had talked about earlier uh, was candidate recruitment. 
Um, and of course, there are two other statewide races that will be coming down the pike in in 2022. There'll be an AG race for Attorney General and one for the U.S. Senate race. Obviously, 2018, we had a good candidate in in Craig Wolf for Attorney General. U.S. Senate candidates were a little more dispersed. And, um, you know, I, I think we did the best that we could um, in that election. Is the party actively looking at the AG race at the U.S. Senate race, or is a lot of the focus right now on on winning that governor's race? Well, look, I'm a big priority setter, so I will tell you the governor's race is 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 in a class of its own, um, prioritization wise. Of course, you know we don't want to miss the window for a great year, right? I mean, uh, as we just talked about, uh, County Executive Glassman is just an absolute top tier candidate for for comptroller. And I would certainly put that race as one, given its fiscal watchdog responsibilities, as one that would, uh, you know, work right into our messaging. Um, where, you know, I, I think with the U.S. Senate race, the I don't, he has never told me he has this interest, but I think if Governor Hogan jumped into that U.S. Senate race, you clearly would, that would be a game changer. I think you would see both in Maryland and nationally, uh, Republicans across the board, uh, or most Republicans across the board, really just uh, jump, jumping in to support Governor Hogan. And, and I think he would mount a, a very serious, incredible race. Um, there's been polling out there in the last year that, that would show that he could beat Van Hollen. And I think that certainly, uh, um, certainly he could. Um, we don't have another candidate that leaps to mind that would start with the money and name ID advantages that Governor Hogan does. Doesn't mean that we're not going to be ready to take advantage of the environment if it presents itself. Uh, on the attorney general front, you know, we're going to have a very talented candidate. I've had discussions with one individual in particular who I think uh, would make a very strong candidate. Um, she's not to the point where she's ready to announce yet, but I think she's got a profile uh, and is raising her profile and would, uh, would, would carry herself very effectively for the party. So um, we're, you know, we're, we're going to, Hotly contest all the races statewide. Yeah, it's that's that's always good to hear, um, especially because you can't win any of the shot, can't make any of the shots you don't take, and 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 it is funny because our, our Democratic friends always forget that uh, we've won. Republicans have won a majority of the governors' races in this uh, in this century, um, which I think is is a nice thing to hold over their heads. Obviously, redistricting is going to be a key component of what's going on um, as we head into the twenty twenty two election. Um, I don't think that's going to change the calculus much as far as the state party goes as it relates to congressional races. But obviously, um, there could be changes to Congressman Harris's district in the first district. Could see the sixth district maybe become a little fairer. I know you probably have not had any thoughts too much um, about redistricting at this point and what some of those districts could look like. But congressionally, do you hope that? Um, the Governor's Redistricting Commission will give us districts that are certainly more compact and fairer and, conversely, more compatible to a Republican being elected to Congress next year. Yeah, I think the Governor's Redistricting Commission is going to put forth fair maps. I would imagine the maps he puts forward would uh, geographically align with traditional communities of interest, which I think unquestionably would make two districts Republican. Um, maybe more, you know, it wasn't that long ago that we, it was a four, four and four delegation, right? I mean, when Bob Ehrlich was in Congress, 
at the time he was running for, for governor, we had four Republican members of Congress. So, you know, I, I, I think in the General Assembly, um, I'm hoping that we'll see all single member House districts. I, I think that's a possibility. And, you know, I don't want to, uh, I, 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 I know the Republicans are willing to try and work with the Democrats for a fair, fair map, and I hope that's what happens. Is the party, whether the state party or or the RNC, are 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 they? You know, is anybody in the Republican infrastructure? Um, are, are there going to be? Is there going to be a map proposal from the party? Is there going to be? Are there resources in place to help folks who may want to want to put put out their districts of their own? Is the party going to organize any effort to encourage um, you know those compact districts with the redistricting committee? So we're working with the House and the Senate caucus committees, um, and I believe they're evaluating whether they, uh, whether it makes sense for them to submit their own maps. I, I don't know, no decisions on that have been made yet. I think there's a hope that the governor's redistricting commission will take input and come up with something that is fair. Um, you know, there's there's still some devils in the details here <laughs> that I would say. And, and certainly, I think it's it, it, it's fair to fair to be aware that you, you know after watching uh, what happened in North Carolina and Pennsylvania, the, the party is certainly evaluating uh, state constitutional uh, gerrymandering theories if the Democrats get too frisky. <laughs> yeah, that's definitely something that uh, that we've had, we've seen before, as you know, twenty years ago um, with Governor Glenn Denning's districts. We mentioned candidate recruitment earlier, and obviously that's a big thing, not just for the state party, but for the local parties. I think people fail to appreciate how many candidates are on the ballot every year. We talk about 24 county jurisdictions and dozens of offices sometimes in each of those counties, plus the 188 legislators, plus the members of Congress. Um, How are the county parties that you've talked to? Obviously, you do it like you mentioned earlier. You don't get in the weeds when it comes to county offices in the General Assembly. You kind of let the county central committees do that. How successful have they been? You know, with your conversations with county chairs across the state in recruiting candidates and getting ready to, um, you know, put forth a a terrific slate of candidates in 2022. I think we've been very successful. It's a good working relationship between the county central committees and the caucus committees. Um, I defer to those folks, uh, just as a matter of course, you don't need the state party trying to do everything for everyone. I think people who believe that, you know, our lean but effective state party staff um, are able to do, you know, the, the job that I think really should be uh, performed by the local central committees. I mean, you know, we, we carry on a great dialogue with our central committee chairs across the state, but I, you know, I don't know who Luann Rudell has uh, you know in mind to run for the school board or the county commission in garrett county right and luann's a great chair uh i you know talk to her all the time and and when she tells me they've got somebody i mean this is how we got into the andy bradshaw race in cambridge right back in back in december you know I, the the party the state party became aware that Andy was in a, in a runoff. We thought we could help him win. And we, you know, we marshaled the resources and and made that happen. So I I, I view the state party as a resource that can jump in, in limited numbers of races to make a difference. Beyond that, we really, I think it's important for local control. I think it's important for us to rely on our local central committees to really do the heavy lifting 
on most of the candidate recruitment. Speaking of candidate recruitment, when obviously in order to you recruit candidates, you have to make sure that they're trained. Obviously, we don't want to give away any state secrets here, um, but kind of what are some of the things that are are being emphasized from state and local parties to candidates this year? Things that to, to really focus on if, if they're serious about running for for election next year. Obviously, first and foremost is going to be to raise money. But beyond that, um, what are what are some of the other focuses this year? So I think digital is evolving in a way that uh, has opportunities and risks, um, I think. I think if I would, uh, I think things are moving faster than most people realize. And I don't know that a lot of our candidates are keeping up. Um, it's, it's, it's a concern to me. Um, you, you know, we, we have been doing some things that I think were very helpful last, last year um, and working closely with the, the YRs in particular. Um, but I think digital is going to be, is going to be far more important in 2022 than, than uh, before and, and when i'm when i say digital i don't mean throwing up a facebook ad that you're gonna like argue with the facebook sensors on <laughs> yeah i think people people have a real misconstrued notion of what digital actually means in 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 the year 2021 if somebody's watching this right now listening to this and they say hey i'm 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 a i'm a republican i'm a conservative i'm a person i want to help out i want to run for office you know what's the best way right now for somebody to to get involved and to become a candidate for office, a candidate for central committee, a campaign leader, something something along those lines. What's the best way to reach out right now? I think for most people, it's to contact their local central committee. Um, you know, you can go to our website and find that information. Um, you can also just email the state party and we're, we're happy to connect uh, any potential volunteer or candidate with their uh, central committee members in their in their county dirk hare chairman of the maryland republican party thanks for joining us on this week's show and we will have you on again sometime in the future all right thanks brian appreciate it thanks dirk this has been the duckpin podcast don't forget to subscribe and download